well, we have a um, we have had some amazing conversations with our friends from Turo College over the last few months, and uh, th- there are a lot of how do I put this? A lot of typical departments uh, that a college at a university would uh, speak about on these airwaves and in general, you know, in public settings, especially as, when it comes to our community. And and frankly, this is one of the conversations I have been most anticipating because I believe it is one of the most fascinating areas that does not get as much attention as other areas of academia and degrees uh, when it comes to uh, our community. And with that in mind, I am introducing and welcoming to the airwaves Dr. Henry Cohen, who is Dean of the Turo College of Pharmacy. He's the uh, Dean of the Turo College uh, Pharmacy um, uh, School. And uh, he, he was offered to us as a guest because of all the, the, the questions people have about the vaccine, et cetera, with COVID-19. I'm going to start with the opposite and ask him some general questions about this whole uh, incredible um, genre of education <laughs> at Turo. And then we'll get, of course, into the COVID-19 conversation. Dr. Henry Cohen, a real pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Thank you very much. Good morning and a pleasure to be here. How long has the Turo College of Pharmacy been in existence? So the school uh, was founded and opened in uh, 2008. So we're still a relatively young school, but we have uh, a good experience at this point. And, and I hope I wasn't out of line, but I, I think you know what I mean, that when it comes to departments and schools like this, they do not get the attention that other departments and schools get in university settings. And yet you are responsible for some amazing careers in a, in a really important field out there. Uh, do you find that uh, that that people do react like I do? They don't realize uh, just how prominent uh, the pharmacy profession, and in your case, the pharmacy school is. Yes, uh, you know, I always find myself as the as, as the dean, as uh, ambassador for for pharmacy and uh, <laughs> championing the profession. And I think uh, you know everyone is familiar with that with the drugstore on the block, and yeah. they're everywhere. Whether it's the uh, the chain pharmacies, the CVSs, and Walgreens. Or the community pharmacy, the local pharmacy, they, they are ubiquitous and, and everywhere, but it's the other career paths that I often like to teach people about so they can understand what the role of, uh, of the pharmacist is. And there's some really wonderful career paths that I, I would love to mention. Oh, yeah, we're going to get to that in a second, but it's funny. On the point you just made, for some reason, and, and again, this is not a conscious thing on, on the part of people, I'm sure. It's just, you know, the way humans are. Uh, I, I think that there's a, an era, there's a degree of expertise that people appreciate when they go to certain professionals, law, medical, etc., and, and the pharmacist, I don't know, the pharmacist just seems to be like your local friend and not somebody who might be an absolute expert in a really important field. And, and that just might be the impression out there. So maybe that's why the, uh, maybe, maybe, the pharmacy, maybe the pharmacists are too friendly and, and too much involved with customer service and people don't realize the expertise they bring to the table. Yeah, well, you know, one of the nice things about, about the pharmacists, and, and certainly I think you've seen this during the COVID pandemic, is that um, you know they're everywhere? So the convenience of visiting your pharmacist to get your COVID vaccine or your flu vaccine or be tested for COVID um, is is critically important to uh, wellness and and good health uh, during this difficult time. It, uh, is there an increase, by the way, over the last I don't know fifteen months? Are you seeing more and more people? Because we know that you know people call it the Fauci effect when it comes to medical school. Are more people interested in medicine, uh, vaccines, etc., and looking at your school more seriously because of what's going on in this country? 
Yes, they are. We have seen an uptick in uh, applications and enrollments by wow. uh, by pharmacy students. Interesting uh, candidates. So, so we have seen that, and I think uh, one of the silver linings for the profession of pharmacy during the pandemic is that it has highlighted the role of the pharmacist, and and we are the drug expert, and we and, and yeah. uh, patients come to us. Uh, uh, to dose their medications, to get counseled on how to take uh, their drugs and side effects and, and what outcomes to expect. Yeah. But I think more importantly, they're realizing that you can go to your pharmacist to get any vaccine that you need. You can get tested for COVID and, and flu and, and other uh, diseases. So the role of the pharmacist is really integral within the healthcare system. Can you get the COVID-19 now at a, at a pharmacy or we're not at that point yet? Yes, you can. Uh, uh, in New York, many community pharmacies do have the COVID vaccine. They usually receive them in, in uh, lots of 100 doses at a time. Uh, and you can also get them uh, in many of your chains at this point. So it has become readily available now. Dr. Henry Cohen's with us, Dean of the Turo College of Pharmacy. Um, it, it opened in 2008 and it is flourishing. Okay, what did you mean by other career paths and settings that pharmacists can pursue? Sure. So um, what, I, what I always love to mention is the role of a pharmacist in ambulatory care in the, in the clinic environment. Uh, uh, pharmacists in, in, in all states and certainly in New York, if they work collaboratively with physicians, they could prescribe medications uh, in many ways like a physician assistant can. Um, and in essence, what uh, many health systems have are pharmacists who work in different clinics. It could be a blood pressure clinic, a cholesterol clinic, asthma clinic, diabetes clinic, where you see the physician on the first visit, and then for all subsequent visits, you then get triaged to see the pharmacist, who will then do a, a targeted physical exam. They might take your blood pressure, vital signs. Uh, they then would review uh, your medication with you and reconcile your medication, counsel you, prescribe different drugs as needed, um, and uh, work together with the physician to manage your care over the rest of, the, of, of your disease lifetime. Uh, so that's, I think, a very exciting role that pharmacists play. The other role that I, I always like to talk about as well is pharmacists in hospitals and health systems. Right. I often say these big hospitals sometimes employ a couple of hundred pharmacists. Someone has to manage that medication, and not only are they in charge of mixing and preparing medications, all the intravenous drugs have to be uh, prepared, mixed by pharmacists, but the pharmacists are part of every medical team. So when you go into the critical care unit, for instance, there is a pharmacist who's highly trained, who's completed a residency program and is a specialist who will be overseeing your medication management. They will prescribe or manage your antibiotic therapy. They will dose your drugs uh, using uh, special pharmacy calculations. They will do medication reconciliation when you come in. And when you leave the hospital, they'll do discharge interviews and make sure that you go home on the right medications and you're counseled on the side effects outcomes to be expected, and what to do when you get these side effects. And, and, you know, it's funny because many of us look at the setup of a pharmacy and we see, you know, how much technology has now, you know, the individual packs, and, 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 and you don't even need sometimes in, in some pharmacies, you know, individuals, individual pharmacists don't even have to count out pills. It's all done by machine, et cetera. But the reality is that medications get so much more complicated, and there's so much more information out there about all of them, and there's so many more of all of them that the role of consultant as a pharmacist is much, much more than it used to be. So people think that technology has made the job easier. I think as time goes by, it becomes more complicated, frankly. You know, Nakam, you couldn't have said that any better. You know, one of the major roles in pharmacy now is informatics. 
In the hospital, all medications are managed by, are, are generally dispensed by robots using barcode technology. And in many community settings, they also have uh, robotic technology to manage most of the medication dispensation. So it has become very sophisticated uh, as well. It's allowed the pharmacist to leave a little bit that, that role or, or overseeing pharmacy technicians so they can be more clinically uh, uh, involved. Um, the other nice thing about pharmacy uh, also I was just like to mention is the role in industry. Uh, you're seeing that a lot now with the new COVID vaccines uh, by right. Pfizer and Moderna and, right. and uh, different pharmacotherapies or therapeutics. Pharmacists' uh, role in, in, in pharmaceutical industry is pervasive. They do sales. They're medical liaisons. They're involved in marketing. Uh, they provide the drug information. When you call Pfizer about your uh, uh, vaccine with side effects, their medical information office is managed by pharmacists yeah. who answer your questions. I mean, and when, they also do yeah. research, and uh, they're very involved also in manufacturing and pharmacy law. When I went to, to Javits for the Pfizer vaccine twice, there's got to be a, a team of pharmacists behind that whole effort in that building. I mean, my gosh, just to manage the medication that's going in and out of there has to be supervised by people who are professionals. No question. When, when the Javits Center was being set up, we were being called to provide pharmacists to oversee the entire medication process uh, that, that was being uh, administered, and again, to do medication reconciliation um, to, to ensure that everybody gets the right drug. I mean, remember, there are over 9,000 different drug and drug entities. Right. Um, so even in pharmacy, it's become very sophisticated. So right now, in pharmacy, we have specialists who are specialists just in psychiatry or pediatrics, wow. or infectious disease, Special, or critical care. Specialized, and certified, and they do training only in those areas. Specialized pharmacists. Can one get that specialty at Turo? Can one get a, uh, a specific track at Turo College of Pharmacy? Yes. So we have tracks uh, in pharmaceutical industry and in clinical practice and right. in managed care. And then when you graduate from pharmacy, very similar to medicine, uh, there are about 5,000 residency programs available in the United States. So those who want to get even more involved in direct patient care will complete a one-year PGY-1 pharmacy residency where you go through different specialties like infectious disease and uh, uh, critical care and geriatrics uh, and ambulatory care. And then for those who want to become true specialists, they complete a second year in that particular area. And when they look for jobs, their jobs that are out there would be clinical pharmacist in pediatrics or clinical pharmacist in psychiatry. Um, and they spend their pretty much most of their time working in those areas, but still being the drug expert on all drugs because that's what's expected by the medical team and the physicians that we work with and nurses. How long is the regular degree when you go to Turo College of Pharmacy? How many years do you have to put in? So our degree is you have to complete a minimum of two years of pre-pharmacy training, taking your sciences, uh, uh, of course, like biology and chemistry and organic chemistry, physics, and then courses like English. And once you complete that, you would transition into the Doctor of Pharmacy program, and it is a four-year program. At Toro, we have two and a half years of uh, didactic or lectures uh, in difference in, throughout the, the program in pharmacology and uh, pharmaceutics where you prepare drugs uh, and compound medications. And, of course, then in what we call pharmacotherapy or internal medicine, where you learn how to manage drugs and disease states by organ function. So you get a block on pulmonary diseases, on cardiac heart diseases, uh, on infectious diseases, um, etc. And then after you complete that, what makes Toro super exciting is that 
you have one and a half years of doing six-week rotations, and those rotations can be done um, at the major hospitals throughout New York City. We have affiliations with the Mount Sinai Health System, Columbia uh, Presbyterian Health System, Montefiore uh, hospitals in Brooklyn like SUNY uh, Downstate Medical Center, uh, etc. And you spend six-week blocks doing acute care, internal medicine, uh, clinic, ambulatory care, and you will do that with our professors who are already specialists in their area. Um, you will round with the medical team. You'll make your do- drug recommendations, see patients. Um, so it's very exciting. And our, our curriculum is very unique because we have an, an additional semester where you get to do these rotations. So if you want to spend 12 weeks at Pfizer Laboratories uh, to learn pharmaceutical industry, or if you want to spend 12 weeks to learn about uh, um, geriatric pharmacy and spend your time in a nursing home because those patients also need to right. be pharmacists. Good point. Um, you know, uh, uh, you can do that. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an exciting curriculum. A nursing home pharmacist could be a full-time job, frankly, right? I mean, it, it absolutely yeah. is. You know, it's federal law that every patient who go who is in a nursing home must be seen by a clinical pharmacist once a month to have their medications reviewed. Uh, so it is absolutely can be a full-time job. Uh, in our profession, Dr. Henry Cohen's with us, Dean of Turo College of Pharmacy. All right, I'm, I'm I'm so into this topic. I gotta get I gotta get to some of these quick questions about about the vaccine. I mean, those who were paying attention. I know most people were paying attention to the news from Minnesota yesterday, but if you were paying attention to the news from Europe, it looks like the J and J vaccine is going to be reintroduced with a warning, and the CDC likely is going to follow that because with all the blood clot issues that we've been reading about, I mean, you know, it's one in a million. I know that's not the real statistic, but you know, they're looking at it as a one in a million type thing. Uh, do, do you feel that reintroducing it with a with a with, with a proper side effect uh, a warning would be proper at this time? Yes, uh, I do. Uh, um, you know the 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 vaccine. Uh, you know the J and J vaccine was released on February twenty seventh under EUA. You know which is uh, uh, emergency use use authorization right. by the FDA. So it is always you know these EUAs are a little bit early. It's not the full review that a lot of drugs get and. Um, until it really gets out into the population is when you see the side effects. And I think, as everyone knows, on April 13th, both the CDC and the FDA uh, provided a joint statement to pause the use of the vaccine. And, and what really, you know, what, what caused this was um, that, all, you know, 7 million doses have been administered to that date. But we had these six patients that developed uh, what we call cerebral vein blood clots, and in essence, uh, uh, a blood clot in the brain, and patients also had a very low platelet count. Platelets right. are responsible for your blood clotting. Um, and um, there seemed to be a relationship, what we call a temporal relationship. So there's a relationship where once they, they got the vaccine, within a certain period of time, they developed the side effect. Um, this was also very similar to the AstraZeneca vaccine, where we saw some of these cases in Europe. The Astra vaccine is not available here in the, uh, in the U.S., and I think the, the reason for the pause was is that um, you had these six patients. Uh, they were females between the age of 18 and, and 48, young, young women, if you will, um, who developed this, uh, this side effect. Um, so the pause was, one, to evaluate the side effect, and two, even more importantly, was how do we treat this side effect? Because generally when somebody gets this blood clot in the brain, we use a drug called heparin. And here's where the pharmacology becomes really important. What we were realizing is that heparin also can cause a similar side effect where your, your platelet count decreases 
and you might be at risk for blood clots that can occur in the brain, causing a stroke, in your heart, causing a heart attack. Um, and uh, once, we, once we realized it, we realized that the treatment was a problem, and we have to educate the medical community that if you do get the side effect, which is rare, um, you will need to treat it appropriately and not use this common, common anticoagulant that we use called heparin. Right. So, so that was the, the reason for the, uh, for the pause. I do think that it was uh, wise to pause. I think it, it helps the community to avoid vaccine hesitancy uh, and resistance. Um, so there's transparency. Um, and I think the, it is so rare, the side effect, that I think they made an appropriate decision but more importantly, to educate the medical community, pharmacists, physicians, nurses, who manage this, this when we see it um, accordingly. The and other thing I'd like to say is that it, it also becomes important that as we reinstitute the J&J vaccine, that appropriate counseling takes place. That when you get the vaccine, perhaps from your pharmacist, that the side effects of this rare side effect become important. So especially for women and especially for women who might use oral contraceptives or, or, or hormonal therapy, the risk could be higher. And you should be aware that this can occur for about two to three weeks after receiving the vaccine. Because the what, more, I'm sorry. Yeah, sure. Well, I was going to say what, what you want to look for for patients um, from a counseling perspective is that if they start to see that they get any type of uh, excessive bleeding from their gums or blood in urine, blood in stool, um, that that's a sign that this could be a side effect that they're getting. And, of course, the, the worst part of this can also be the blood clot. So um, any type of dizziness or confusion, um, symptoms that you might see during a stroke, uh, headaches, um, shortness of breath, need to get care right away, and you have to go to your medical profession because it could potentially be a side effect that we could treat, yeah, the, uh, but you need to catch it early. The more information people have, the, uh, the, the more they'll uh, be able to identify if something's going wrong, go straight to their doctor. Um, and that's the, your role, as you keep saying about the, uh, uh, the pharmacists out there and how they are on the front lines of this uh, for people who are taking vaccines and medications. Uh, there are no other serious side effects from the others, right? When we hear Pfizer, Moderna, and, and I've been through it, I think I think the first time I got the Pfizer, I had a rough day the next day, but nothing out of the ordinary. I went to work and all that, and then the second one, I felt nothing. And it seems that most people are going through, you know, similar experiences. Yeah, you know, I would say that. I think the the most common side, you know, with Moderna and Pfizer. Um, and I think this is reassuring. To date, the CDC, FDA have not reported any similar cases as we've seen with the J&J vaccine. So, so at least at this point, that does not seem to be a, a major concern. And, uh, and if someone got the COVID, let's, I mean, I'm just taking an arbitrary date. January 1st, 2021, someone had COVID. Now they have antibodies. Would you recommend the vaccine for them? How many months from now? If not, how many months from now would you recommend the vaccine for them? So generally, the rule is going to be that we'd like to wait at least 90 days hmm. after they've had COVID before they get the vaccine. Um, and that's because, remember, what the vaccine is doing is what your body's doing. Your body is creating antibodies uh, to, to ward off infection, and the vaccine is going to do same. Uh, so if you take it too close, and even after 90 days, your risk of side effects with any of the vaccines will be higher uh, because you're getting a pronounced antibody response. I, I often like to say to the lay public, it's almost like putting your antibodies on steroids. So you're super protected, <laughs> but the side effects, in particular, the uh, 
um, the, the headache, muscle pain, chills, uh, uh, joint pain, fever uh, will be more common if you do it earlier or if you've had COVID. There's a higher risk of getting those side effects. And they usually last about one to two days after Man. receiving the vaccine. And not to get too scientifically complicated, for, the, for us lay people, we keep hearing about variant strains. Am I right that when the news reports that it looks like the vaccine of all types, all companies, uh, are, are covering the majority of those strains, that that's accurate? Yes, uh, you're, you, you're, that, is, that is quite accurate. There are, uh, without getting too technical, there, there are several... Uh, the variants that you're hearing a lot about, the, the South African, Brazilian, and, of right. course, the, the U.K. strains. And these are all variants of the Wuhan, the original uh, viral strain that, that we received. Um, and, in fact, in the U.S., uh, we believe the U.K. vaccine has seen it, it, at least one out of three cases. Uh, so it's quite common. But the vaccines seem to be very effective against these variants, against these mutations. Right, which is... Uh, which uh, so, is a- this is good news, yeah. and most importantly, uh, Nahum, the, the key is that, that the vaccines are very effective from preventing severe COVID or COVID yeah. death, and that's, um, the, and, and that's the key. That is the key. Finally, how long do you think it'll last? I had my COVID vaccine, I just told you, at sometime in the month of March. I don't remember the exact date. I was double vaccinated. I likely will not have to be vaccinated again, or I will likely have to be vaccinated when? So um, at this point, research is telling us, studies are telling us that uh, at least six months after receiving these vaccines, you have a full antibody response. So you have at the very least six months protection. We are now researching nine months and soon as time allows, 12 months. Um, And my suspicion will be that that I believe these vaccines will certainly carry us somewhere at least around one year. And it could certainly be longer. We have vaccines that sometimes last a few years. As you know, the flu vaccine lasts one year. Uh, What creates the need for the flu vaccine every year is that the variants change significantly because of mutations. Again, with, with COVID, we're seeing variants but the current vaccine seems to be effective. Dr. Cohen, what a pleasure to speak to you and uh, appreciate all the information. And I frankly appreciate finding out that Turo has this incredible department or school, uh, the Turo College of Pharmacy. It is a great choice, I'm sure you would say, uh, for both young men and young women in our community to check out, especially if they like the medical field and do well in those courses. This is a a, a, a track they should be uh, uh, alerted to. And, um, and information, I assume, Turo.edu for information about the uh, Turo College of Pharmacy? Yes, uh, uh, yes, that would be terrific. And, and, and I also just want to mention as well that uh, we will be providing the pharmacy school, uh, working with other healthcare professions, we'll be providing Turo vaccines to the local community, and we hope to do that in the next couple of weeks, both at Landers College for Men and at uh, the Landers uh, College of Arts and Sciences. We've been doing that to date and hope to continue with the Pfizer vaccine over the next two weeks. Can't thank you enough for joining us this morning. Thanks so much. Thank you. My pleasure. Dr. Henry Cohen, he's dean of the Turo College of Pharmacy. He knows it all. And, uh, and young men and young women in this audience and parents of young men and young women in this audience, think about it. For people in our community, it is an unbelievable option. And if you speak to uh, uh, people in our community who are uh, pharmacists, they will agree with, uh, I believe they'll agree with my uh, uh, assessment. Uh, it's amazing what you can do for the community, and it's amazing how um, you can maintain a Shomer Shabbos life you know, in a great profession. So check it out. And thanks to our friends at Turo. Go to turo.edu for information. Turo.edu for information.